What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future passion. Explore paths to careers that will excite and motivate you. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu to find out how to connect to your future. Hello. My name is John Smetanka, and the name of our program is With Respect. Our guest today, and with respect, is Michael Patrick Shields. Michael Patrick is a broadcaster, a podcaster. He has a program called the Michigan Michigan's Big Show, which has syndicated around the state of Michigan and is aired on, we'll find out how many stations, 8 to 12 stations around the, around the state. He's been on for a number of years. And he has a particular blend of chat and questions and topics that uh, I think really are valuable to the people all around of our all around of our very large state. So, with respect, Michael Patrick Shields will be right back. Michael Patrick, how are you doing today? With respect, how are you? I'm wonderful. As, as I, uh, I look out the window of my uh, mini studio, the sun is out, uh, and in a time of dark clouds and, and all kinds of weather, it's really nice to be able to see sun. So it's a <laughs> great day. Michael Patrick, where are you from originally? Well, of course, you know, because of the beauty of technology, somebody might be listening to this in the wee small hours of the morning <laughs> under the moonlight, too. So we That's salute correct. those people who are night owls who've joined us tonight, this morning, this day, in this life, right? Right, exactly. So where are you from originally? Born in Wyandotte, Michigan, south of Detroit, right on the Detroit River, uh, and uh, a very Cute little place to come from, that's for sure. How long ago did you come from there? And where, where did you get your start? Well, I, I left there uh, to go to broadcast school at Central Michigan University, where I lasted a year and uh, left because I, I wanted to be in the action. And while I had a radio show at CMU and it was on, I think it was 300 watts and it was local, it was a great, great start. But I got an internship with Dick Purton in Detroit, who was a big star there. And uh, I came down from CMU, and I never went back. I transferred to the University of Detroit and also uh, University of Michigan-Dearborn. And I, I worked, and I studied at the same time. And believe me, I learned a lot working for Masters of the Universe of Radio in the Detroit area. I bet you did. Let me, let me go back one step further. Okay. 
in Wyadot, you you got your start doing something. Why? You're all right. Grammar school, high school. Were you really into radio at that time? Yeah, I think it was listening like a lot of kids to baseball games at night with the transistor next to the bed. And then the show that would come on after was called Night Flight. And it was a guy pretending to be a pilot. Uh-huh. And every night his name was Jay Roberts and he'd give you the, you know, the takeoff music and he'd say, tonight we're traveling to Albuquerque and we'll be heading out over the lake and then turning left at Chicago. And along the way, we'll pass the Rocky Mountain. And, you know, he created this like mystical, creative radio. And that's what I really admired. And I still do today. And I, I hope it still exists somewhere that theater of the mind like that. And he would play songs and, 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 you know, over on the other channel, there was Larry King doing his really wacky overnight talk show. And I got to hear some of that. So I became enchanted by the whole thing. And then in the mornings, of course, there were, there were a number of comedy shows. Dick Purton was one of them in Detroit. And then I ended up working for J.P. McCarthy, who was the king of Detroit in terms of talk radio. And uh, I was only 25 years old when I got that job. And so you can imagine how formative it was to work at the number one show for a Hall of Fame radio host and have that kind of experience so you know I, I i always wanted to be around the action and i still do to this day um i mean i was a ball boy for the michigan panthers and i've i volunteered for anything that could get me close to notoriety and uh celebrity and media why i don't know it was exciting to me like um because you know when we were young we didn't have social media. We had three channels and we had radio. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we had stage plays and that kind of thing. But um, I do remember in terms of politics, you know, the celebrity of that too. George Bush was vice president at the time and he came to the Wyandotte Fourth of July parade, which I'm sure you know is the biggest in the state. And uh, I said, I want to go see what a vice president looks like. And I got down there. And the band was playing in the song, So Glad You Made It. And they had all the bunting up and they had the stage at the end. And he and Mrs. Bush walked right down Fiddle Avenue there. And I said, jeez, now that's fun. And so sure enough, for that campaign, I volunteered uh, to be an advance volunteer every time he came to town. And he often did because Michigan was in play. And as you know, he ended up winning Michigan in the presidential. But. Uh, there again, they put me uh, as the driver of a motorcade car, you know, a van full of reporters or a van full of campaign operatives. And we'd be five or six cars behind the vice president's limousine and all the security cars. And I was like, you'd go out there to a metro airport and watch him come off the plane. And once again, I found myself like right where the action was and able to see the machinery of it all and the excitement of it all. And I got a gas out of that, too. You know, it's, it's quite interesting you, you describe that because you're in some ways um, several hundred miles away from where I grew up, uh, but with the same uh, sorts of experiences with radio. I absolutely loved, as we would drive around, because my parents were um, Sunday drivers. We would always go out someplace uh, with us to visit relatives or just to go out and see uh, a different uh, part of the, of the Midwest and as we drove around, we listened to radio. And the, the adults talked and had all different kinds of um, topics to talk about. And the kids would be in the back, we, my brother and I, or 
or maybe some of our friends would be in the back and, and we'd be listening to both the radio and our parents and there was sort of a parallel because there was um, some great shows in the Midwest, uh, in, the East, in the Chicago area. They had a number of uh, talk show hosts that were very much into what you talk about, which is communication, friendship, people, uh, famous people were be, would be interviewed, uh, events would be talked about. At the same time, uh, our parents would be talking about those same kinds of events, teeing off the radio, and or talking about their friends and how um, people were related to one another in family or in um, topic or whatever it was, or events of the day. And I got to love the concept of people, just listening to people and, and, and watching how they interacted with one another and learning about how just folks um, and made up their uh, their uh, agenda for a week or for a day or for an hour or for a minute. And so people uh, became something that I was very interested in. Politics, yes, but also uh, many other areas uh, because that was a it's, it's a wide ranging thing, this human human nature. It uh, doesn't just deal with politics. It deals with art and entertainment and moving around and seeing other new cultures or people. So I'm, I'm talking to you. I've listened to your show. And we're going to talk in a, just a minute about the content and how you put it together. But I, I wanted to touch base and, and show you that there's that uh, on, on the other side of the state from the Detroit area or Lansing area, uh, we have a different world, but it's the same. People are the same. And um, boy, I tell you, some of the experiences that that I've had just watching people and meeting them, learning about them. Just wonderful. So your program hits how many places? How many affiliates do you have these days? We have 13 uh, all across the state, just pretty much everywhere but Detroit, heavy on the West Coast, on the Lakeshore, all the way down to St. Joe, Benton Harbor, and all the way up to Mackinac Island. And, of course, Kalamazoo, WKZO, and, of course, in Lansing, WJIM, where our studio is a storefront studio right across from the Capitol, um, so that the lobbyists and legislators and people can pop in or look in, and just the general public can walk in and watch a radio show if they want to. So you t- that's politicians, and that's people around the Capitol, but I know, because I've listened to your show, that you deal with, you talk about, you take us to different places and different interests, not just politics. That's nice of you to say, uh, and I think there's plenty of strictly political radio out there if you want it, um, but I kind of feel that uh, since we're a morning-based program, uh, people need a little variety, and I think that's part of the surprise of what I learned from J.P. McCarthy, that he might be talking about you know, who won the Car and Truck of the Year award last week and how General Motors did last uh, year with its sales figures. And the next thing you know, we're looking at campaign numbers from, uh, you know, polling before the primary and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, you know, everybody's a celebrity of some sort. The person that runs the pizza shop that everyone loves to go to is a celebrity. And um, that's what I kind of learned from him, that the the, the man who owned, uh, his name was Hoot McInerney. You might remember. He owned, I do. 
13 car dealerships. And so, mm-hmm. and he started uh, as a guy who was sweeping the floor at a dealership and he made himself into this giant mega car dealer, but he would come on the air and he would sound like the guy across the fence when you're raking the leaves. And, and uh, while he shared his intelligence, he also shared his personality. And so when people would say, Hey, I need a new car or I, you know, I got to find myself a used car. They would say, why don't you go and see who, Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. as if you could walk right in there and ask for him. If you were lucky enough, I'm sure people did it, but they felt like he was approachable. And uh, and I think it's kind of funny all these years later, you remember when uh, probably it was Bill Clinton that was running. They used to ask, you know, is he the kind of candidate you'd like to have a beer with? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the kind of theory, you know, that we try to get on the program is to get people to be human. Now, I don't think having a beer with somebody is necessarily the qualification for which you should vote for them, but it is show business after all, in sales and in politics. Well, you know, there's another phrase that um, has been used about uh, presidential candidates, and that is, is this candidate who you want in your living room every night at 6 o'clock? Because that's when people were watching the nightly news, and presidents and candidates would be... Uh, begging or buying time on the, the evening news shows or the, the night sh- news shows, whatever. And the candidates figured out finally, uh, after some decades uh, before television first started, uh, that this coming into your living room, was, which was captured by uh, Franklin Roosevelt with his fireside chats, was the connection between the people, the ordinary Joes and Sallies, and the celebrities. Ain't no value to a celebrity if they don't have a connection with people, with the masses. I mean, it's, it's you know, what's, what's the value, as they say, of being a star if there's no ground from which you, do, you look up to the stars? So... It's, it's just an interesting world that you, and to some extent I am in, in, in interested in. My radio show, with respect on WSJM-FM and two other stations, is uh, we aim to bring in a whole range of things, not just politics. We do authors. We do um, television personalities. We do scientists, um, Business people, union people, community organizers, as they say, and uh, mm. a wide range of people because I believe, and I get it from you, that there is a value to the breadth and the depth of what we uh, present on the radio. There is a value, and we have a listenership. You have a great listenership. So. That's nice of you. I, I also agree with you that the, and the theory that I always think of is that it's the singer, not the song. And what do I mean by that? It's the singer, not the song. Well, if it's your favorite song, but you don't like the singer, it's going to rub you the wrong way. Absolutely. If you don't even know the song, but you're low, wow, that's a great singer, then you'll tolerate it or you'll even be drawn to it. And so when it comes to radio hosts or TV anchors or even actors and actresses, um, if they're enough to engage you, you'll go along for the topic. And you'll say, well, 
what's he talking about now? He's talking about, you know, some uh, coup uh, junta that's going on in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Well, he's interested in it, so there must be a reason. Let's let's see what we can get out of this. And then I hope that's, you know, I hope that's a that's a valid theory, but I, I really do think it is. And a lot of times guests will come off the air with me and they'll say, wow, you, you made that easy. And I'll say, well, we're just talking. Mm-hmm. And I uh, appreciate the fact that they are comfortable like that. And I also think that the twist you just mentioned, if you can get a politician to talk about something in life, it's good for them and it's good for the listener and it's good for the host, something different. Then you take somebody who's in the community, uh, maybe it's the baker who puts out the donuts every morning talking politics. It's a twist each way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I kind of exactly. like that. All right. We're going to take a break right now. We're talking to Michael Patrick Shields, the host of Michigan's Big Show on 13 Station uh, around the state of Michigan. And uh, been at it for some, quite some years. And it has a deep, deep background in broadcast, airing, podcast, travel. We're going to talk all about that in, in a minute. This is John Smetank on With Respect, and we will be right back. back on with respect with Michael Patrick Shields. Michael Patrick is the host uh, creator of the program called Michigan's Big Show and it's on 13 stations around the state of Michigan. Deals with all kinds of issues uh, of interest to people and uh, the the public as a whole. Uh, This is John Smetank on with respect. We'll be talking now about what more Michael Patrick what what is it when somebody comes in, you're sitting in your studio uh, on right across the, the state capitol, and someone comes to the window, and it's, it's somebody of interest. Do you, you ever just say, hey, come on in, and let's chat for a while? <laughs> yes, that does happen. And that's how it was, you know, that was the hope of what would happen. And one of my favorite memories having to do with that was, uh, you remember Mayor Verge Bernero? Oh, I do, uh, and, yeah. He decided that he was going to run for governor, and he, nobody knew yet, but for whatever reason, he felt comfortable with me, and he came down to the studio, and he had these notes in front of him, and he was kind of, you know, he was a talking machine. The guy didn't ever need notes, but I noticed, like, what's he doing with notes in front of him? And they were little, like, uh, index cards, and because he, whatever he was about to say, he wanted to get it right. And uh, sure enough, he's telling people about his platform and that he's going to run for governor. And I was very flattered that he yeah. chose that my program to do it. But what made me even more flattered was I looked out the window and here comes Tim Skubik running down the street, <laughs> heading toward the studio. Now, 
like he's the dean, right, of all the political broadcasters and reporters. And he was running to my studio on the word that Bernero was going to run for governor. And that was very, very, very satisfying to ah. me <laughs> that way. For those uh, not familiar with um, uh, Tim Scooping, he has a program called Inside Michigan Politics. Um, and I'm sorry, uh, that's not uh, off the record. But yeah. he is um, a fascinating guy. I was on a show, I think I counted up with either four or five times, and it's quite an experience. Uh, two debates with Attorney General, my opponents in the races for Attorney General, and, uh, and some other times I was up when I was U.S. Attorney and afterwards. And it's a cha- it was a challenge, always a challenge, till one time when I had my own show, I called up Tim and I said, okay, Tim, Time to come on my show. <laughs> At which point, the first thing was, are you going to rip my heart out like I did to you? And I said, you got it. <laughs> but actually, my program is not that. I don't want that to be the, 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 the message of my show. My show is I want people to talk. Just have fun. And talk. And in talking gives my audience um, the understanding of who the person is. Where do they come from? Because, you know, where you come from, in many respects, defines who you are now. And who you are now defines, in some respects, uh, who you are in the f- you're going to be in the future. And so if you get this, you have a uh, kind of a holistic approach, to use a, an off-used and understood wor- less understood word, um, you get the whole person. And that's what I'm aiming for. And the casual, you know, one of the things I learned, I went down for a couple of years and worked in Washington uh, in the Department of Justice. And, mm. and one of the things I found is uh, the first day I w- had my office, I was at a certain rank that I had, I had um, certain privileges or perks. <laughs> and they're really big. I mean, first thing was I had a flag. And I said, flag? What do you mean? Well, what, is your st- what, what state do you come from? I said, well, I'm from Michigan. Okay, fine. We'll have a Michigan flag here. Mm. Very and, stately. And, and the reason was, in Washington, the vast majority of the people who go down there are not from there. I mean, they're, they're, they're there temporarily. For, maybe they'll make a career there. But they come from someplace else. And when you find out where they're from originally, you begin to understand better, first of all, who they are. And then you can figure out from there what they're about and what they're going to do or what they are doing with themselves. So that's why I start off asking where people come from originally. It tells me a little bit more about them than just their bio. So that's why I start off with Wyandotte. I mean, Wyandotte's a, uh, I, I campaigned in Wyandotte. Uh, in two elections and uh, and many other places all around the state. And I found many interesting things about our state. Uh, there, we are five different states, four different states, in my view. But four? We'll, we'll really? Get into, we'll get into, oh, yeah. We're, one of the things that, uh, just to, to finish up that thought, uh, the Detroit metro area is a state. It has its own media. It has its own concentration of business and culture and, and people. And then if you go to the Upper Peninsula, the Upper Peninsula is a whole different state. The different attitudes, different 
experiences, different interests, um, not any less degree of sophistication, I would point out, but it's, uh, it's just different. And uh-huh. the northern part of the lower peninsula fits into that as well. And then the rest, I mean, they have a, a separate identity. And then sort of the Lansing base, Grand Rapids base, Kalamazoo base part of the, uh, the state is really a separate state. And I learned that coming into it uh, um, uh, from outside of Michigan many, many, many years ago. Um, hmm. And I mentioned this to a, a state rep out of uh, the eastern part of the, um, the state. It was in Macomb County many years ago. And I was telling him this is my theory. And he said, you know what? You're right. You're right. Um, when I went down to Lansing, uh, I was... Uh, they identified me as from Detroit. I don't like Detroit. My, con- <laughs> my constituency is not Detroit. I'm Macomb County. We don't like Detroit. But when I got down to, got up to Lansing, I was a Detroiter. And it's, I think it has to do something with media market and other you know, cultural things. But, but at any rate, that's why I'm interested in people uh, and where they come from, how they got to where they are. And you've already given me a good, good run on that. Uh, about yourself. But now I want to uh, take it a little bit further. What do you see as the role of what you do? Do you? I mean, I do what I do. I'm a lawyer. I practice law, but I also do this show, which I love, because it gives me a chance to meet people, interesting people. Um, what do you do this for? What do you think you're accomplishing? Hmm. Accomplishing. That's such a big, serious word. Um, (laughs) Well, number one, uh, I don't want people to be bored and I don't want to waste their time. And so uh, we work hard to put a lot of content. It might be only an inch deep, uh, but a lot of different things that they can take to school or work with them. And then they can deep dive further if they want to, uh, or they can share it with people and talk about it and that kind of thing. So my fear is radio must always be moving forward and it can't languish. Now, sometimes uh, there's a setting where you could have a more uh, ponderous kind of situation, but in morning radio and live radio, it's got to be moving forward all the time. So number one, don't bore people, leave out the boring parts. Number two, we are dedicated to being nonpartisan on this program. And uh, that means everybody feels welcome. Nobody's ever going to get slighted. Might I ask difficult questions sometimes? Yes, but they're only questions. They're not born of my opinions. I'm not trying to catch anybody. I'm not trying to trick anybody. I'm not trying to. Um, it's not, it's not but, gotcha radio. No, because, uh, you know, if they do it to themselves, that's different, you know, and so that's we're dedicated to that. And, um, you know, when I first started 16, 17 years ago, the consultants from the company came in, big corporation, broadcast corporation, and they said, you can't be in the middle. You got to be right or left and let people agree with you or take shots at you. That was the theory. And I think there are a lot of shows that do that. But um, in our case, I smiled and said, okay, okay. And then I just kept on doing what I do. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the funny thing to me is that people will ask my friends, they'll say, now tell me the truth. He's mm-hmm. really to the right, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other ones will say, I know he's a lefty. And uh, it, it, they all just smile and say, oh, well, what do you think? And 
And uh, that's what I do too, because it doesn't really matter to me what I think. What matters is that I facilitate an interview that's enjoyable, entertaining, informative, and, um, you know, keeps people listening so they don't shut it off because we are in the advertising business after all. Sure. You know, one of your your uh, your mentors that uh, you described earlier, J.P. McCarthy, was a fellow that uh, uh, was revered, um, was a god in the Detroit area. Um, when I became uh, uh, familiar with Detroit, uh, he was he was the king. You, you called him the king. He was in fact that. And for the most part, I think J.P. had his own feelings and and biases like we all do uh but for the most part uh with some notable exceptions he was he played it down the center and you could you could have a decent conversation uh you could hear a decent conversation with jp but it had a flavor of humanity to it and humor and that's another thing that unfortunately i think today is so much lacking is humor just good, and I don't mean sarcastic, gotcha humor. I mean, you know, the kind of stuff when you're sitting around the breakfast table at, at Bert's uh, breakfast nook, um, and people are just talking. <laughs> you know, they, they jibe each other maybe about politics or life or sports or something, but it's it's uh, humor not with a sharp barb to it, but really just kind of a punch on the shoulder and a laugh. That is humor. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, my favorite reaction when I ask a question to a guest is if they start laughing at the premise. Because uh, <laughs> I know I pulled it off. Now, may, they might sometimes laugh just to formulate an answer because they didn't see that one coming and they don't want to step on a banana peel. Mm-hmm. But I really, like I mentioned earlier, the idea of a creative radio broadcast is important to me because there are now so many shows of people, hosts, getting it from A to Z without the creativity. You know, they're, they're skating, but they're not performing any triple Lundies. And <laughs> I, like, I like the audio triple Lundies because you need a spoonful of sugar with that medicine. You've seen the or movie back. Where people out. You've seen the movie back to school. I take it. Yeah. Oh, that's right. With Rodney. He was a diver, Rodney. wasn't he? Yeah. And he did the triple Lindy. So we tried out, well, maybe in skating it's called something else, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, but that's what I mean. Some sugar with it, some frosting, mm-hmm. some fun, because, you know, that's how that's how life is. So I take your point very much. And, and to speak of JP and to show the example of how nonpartisan he was, because I ended up writing a book about him, um, uh, which was hit number one on the Detroit News bestseller list uh, after he passed away. But he was invited to be governor for the day by James Blanchard, did his radio show right from the governor's desk, and then you know attended all the meetings and went before the legislature, and also was invited on Air Force One by President Bush to be interviewed during the campaign. Now, those are you, you take one of those in your career, right? Wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You'd say, right. Wow, that was a highlight. Yep. He got both of them, and a Republican and a Democrat. That's... You know, that's, um, that's a, a mark. Again, I come back to humanity. Humanity. Not, not uh, division. I mean, not uh, bitterness. Not sorrow. Not, uh, you know, constant sorrow thrown down your, th- down your throat. Uh, mm-hmm. But rather, 
life is is bigger than than uh, a political issue conf- conflict. It's it's uh, it's family. It's neighbors. It's getting things together, working out a project. It's uh, making the country better, the community better. That's what what I think be you know was the the radio that I grew up with, and I think that J P McCarthy. Um, uh, personified. But before we go any further, I've not got to take another break. Um, this is John Smetanka and with respect, and we're talking to Michael Patrick Shields, the host of Michigan's Big Show. And it, it is on 13 different stations around the state of Michigan and uh, in the southwestern Michigan area. It's on WSJM FM 90.94.9. Again, this is John Smetanka, and we'll be right back. back and with respect with Michael Patrick Shields, the host of Michigan's Big Show, 13 stations around the state of Michigan. This is John Smetanka. So Michael Patrick, he was a a hero to you, I take it, Michael uh, J.P. McCarthy. What was the character uh, of J.P. McCarthy behind the microphone? Uh, You've already talked a little bit about it got both sides right, uh, gave both sides an opportunity. But what was he like behind the scenes? He was, well, I'll give you, one, I'll give you an example. I, I was 25 years old, I told you, when I got the job. And, and uh, he called, you know, he did the morning show and he went home. And I was there working at the Fisher Building. And the phone rang at 3 in the afternoon. And it was him. And he said, what are you still doing there? (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on tomorrow's program. He said, go home. You're going to burn yourself out. And that was day one. The second day after the broadcast, he called me in his office before he went home. And he said, you know, sometimes up there things might get intense, he says. But after we get off the air, we come down here, we have a laugh, and everything's fine. I said, okay. It was very kind of him to do that. And, you know, he wasn't the kind of guy who'd call you into his office. He'd walk next door and come in mine and sit there. Uh, so to get a start like that, you know, was was very um, helpful. And and I, I never saw him be unkind to anybody in public who wanted a picture or an autograph and that kind of thing. So he was he was very powerful, but also very sweet and a little bit mirthful. And he liked to go out and have a couple here and there and be in the town and like to go to sporting events, hockey games, tiger games, all that sort of thing. And uh, he was very, very sweet. And I wrote, that's why I think that book did so well. It's called JP McCarthy. Just don't tell him where I am. And it's a lot of stories from his friends and things that I saw and observed about being around a radio star like that. 
funny that you mentioned we're talking about J.P. McCarthy. When I was running against uh, for Attorney General in Michigan in 1994, my opponent was uh, Frank Kelly, and he and I had been friends uh, for years beforehand. And uh, he even spoke at my going away party as U.S. Attorney and said what a wonderful guy I was and a great prosecutor and wonderful human being and all the good things that Frank Kelly could drum up about you if he liked you. And uh, so later on, later on that year, uh, I was running uh, for attorney general. He was my opponent. And he was on JP's show time and again. And the two of them had this great Irish repartee between themselves. And, yeah. and they just kept on going and going. And finally, I kept thinking, gee, I'd like to be on that show. Well, they finally called me up one day at WJR, and they said, okay, uh, you're going to be on J.P. Uh, McCarthy because we want to do equal opportunity. So I was one of like f- 10 people in a one-hour show. Each of us had two minutes. And I, th- oh. and I thought, what? That's it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hardly equal time. No, it's hardly equal time. But that's all right. I, the thing is, I understood it. It's part of life. It's part of politics. It's part of, um, you know, being a public figure or trying to be a public figure. It is life. Um, and you just, you work with it. So I, I had no hard feelings. Uh, I would like four minutes as opposed to two, but that's okay. At any rate. Well, I remember uh, that there was a charity roast of JP and Attorney General Frank Kelly came and he was one of the roasters and I remember this clear as a bell. He got up there at the Huntington Place, I guess it's called now, in downtown Detroit. And he said, and you've heard him say a million of these too, but he said, you know, at my age, I like to watch porno movies backwards because I prefer to see people get dressed and go home. (laughs) He had, um, when we were in a debate on Skubik's show, um, I said, um, uh, we were debating him, you know, whether I should be attorney general or him. And uh, something came out like, uh, I said, well, you know, the attorney general spoke very favorably of me. You know, you, you talk very favorably of my going away. He said, I do that for everybody, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> it was after he ran an ad with, with uh, prisoners in the state prisons cheering that I might become attorney general because I was soft on crime. Having spent 25 years as a prosecutor, I don't think so, but that's all right. Oh yeah, what are the back to the show business? Oh yeah, we, after the election, uh, I ran into Frank at a at a party, um, uh, not a, a, a business meeting, and he was sitting at one table and I was going to be sitting at the other, and he called me over. He says, "Hey, let's, you know, he just beaten me by twelve points, which was, you know, not not even close," and and uh, uh, he said, "Hey, let's be friends, you know, you know, don't you sit down, let's talk, and you know." Let's, and I, but that was Frank Kelly. And it's, again, it's, it's the kind of thing that I enjoy about um, politics, maybe the ones I, the, the stuff that I grew up with. Um, but I, I wonder, you, and you've got more contact with this today. Have we lost something? I mean, this, uh, we're all living in bubbles or, or silos, that's how we're being portrayed these days. So my question to you is, you do this on a regular basis, statewide, maybe international, national figures. Is there still humanity in politics? 
Sadly, I don't think so, or at least with rare exception. And part of the problem, I think, is that people watch the news media that they want to watch, and so they don't get two sides anymore. They pick the silo, and they parrot what they hear, and, you know, that's all they want. They don't want to consider that maybe maybe there's some subtlety here in the middle. Maybe the other person that's running wants the best for the country, too. Instead, they're vilified. Um, and I don't know how the genie goes back in the bottle with social media and artificial intelligence and partisan television media, 24-hour news cycle, because sometimes it's evident and sometimes it's very subtle. And that goes for print and web, too. Uh, I just don't know how we go back. Now, like, I have these strange fantasies. Like, let's just say, let's just say that Donald Trump and Joe Biden said, you know, maybe it is best for us to leave it to the next generation and both backed out. Mm -hmm. What would what would happen then? Like, what would the landscape be then? And when I say back out, I mean, back out like a pope you know, hidden from the world, none of this uh, puppet mastering from behind. Mm -hmm. What would happen then? I don't know. I don't, but, but to your point, I mean, there are some exceptions and you know who they are. And, and, um, and when you talk about someone like Fred Upton with the no labels party, mm -hmm. I, I admire that, that problem solvers caucus that he put together with Republicans and Democrats or was involved in, I thought that was really cool, but um, you know, beyond that it's pretty rough isn't it it is it is truly i mean i think back in michigan politics to um people that i've known uh one example on on the uh, democratic side is soapy williams one of the democratic examples on the re republican side uh is uh, was bill milliken and just taking those two and there was others uh, many others but just taking those two uh, i've had experiences with each of them in which i've found out they're decent, they're human beings. They're decent human beings. And I could work with them and they could work with me uh, despite the fact that I happen to be a Republican uh, prosecuting attorney or or Republican candidate for, for this or that. Um, that w those people, you know, they were combative in their own ways. They were tough people uh, because it had to be even in politics in those days. However, they were, in fact, um, people that uh, you could talk to and you could explain a problem to and, and try to get an answer from. And, uh, you know, so I think that each of them contributed uh, in different ways, different polo political philosophies uh, to the uh, health of our state. With your law background, did you ever think in your lifetime that you would see the United States Supreme Court as also vilified and uh, the, the, the you know politicized maybe, or at least the perception that they're politicized. Oh yeah, oh, in my in my lifetime, in two er in one area, um, it was in the 1960s, and bef just before my era, uh, the uh, packing the court uh, um, uh, time uh, during the uh, uh, Roosevelt administration. In both of those cases, uh, the court took. Uh, took big hits to their credibility uh, because politicians didn't like, uh, and, and people didn't like some of their decisions. Um, people, the cops didn't like the, uh, the change in, uh, in rules on, uh, on their behavior in the 1960s. 
uh, Miranda, Escobedo, Map versus Ohio. Uh, and there was a lot of bitterness. I taught law for many years and uh, taught them to lawyers, taught law to lawyers and to judges and to cops and, and others, obviously, when I was campaigning. But I saw and heard a lot of bitterness towards the courts. Now, huh. at this point, uh, it is, it's one of those high points or low points, the nadirs, um, when they're even talking, of, well, they did talk about, at one point, packing the court with more appointees uh, under uh, Joe Biden, uh, uh-huh. which took us back to what uh, Roosevelt wanted to do because he wasn't happy with the um, more conservative court back in the 1930s. So, yeah, Michael Patrick, I've seen it and I've read about it. And so I also think that we're going to survive all this. I remember vividly the 60s and us in law school talking about whether we would survive as a country in 1968 with the assassinations. <laughs> all joking aside, we, really, we had those conversations. And my, con- my confidence then was in the ordinary folks, the people who listen to your show, hopefully the people who listen to my show, who want to hear conversation between two um, adults um, to people who are interested in people in, in the community, uh, political and social and travel, whatever. That's what, that's what I, my hope is for those folks to continue to um, believe in the country and believe in community and just say, well, those, if they, well, those people want to shout at each other, let them shout at each other. But, uh, you know, this guy next door, we got to build a fence. we got to build a bridge. we gotta, uh. we got to do this together. So that's, that's my hope and my belief. So sue me. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest lines I heard was from a pastor in Lansing uh, at the Catholic Church there, and he said, when you get in a dispute with someone and you're flooded and it's not going anywhere, no one's going to change their mind, just shrug and say, huh, you may be right. And leave it at that. <laughs> now, as an attorney, you know you, you didn't say anything at all there, did you? You just said, eh, you may be right. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I'm not happy at all about the attack on the, on the uh, legal system. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think it is, I think it is overdrawn. And I, don't, I think also the use of the political, of the judicial system to solve political problems also uh, is dangerous uh, because that can be switched around so fast the next time around. Um, it's, it's, it's a very dangerous thing when you live by the sword because you're going to die by it, according to the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and I think in many writers and history. At any rate, we're going to take another break right now. Uh, we're talking to Michael Patrick Shields, fascinating guy, uh, with some really good insights into um, what is what our community is all about and how to make it better. Uh, this is John Smutank on With Respect, and we'll be right back.
We're now back on With Respect with Michael Patrick Shields. Michael Patrick is the host of Michigan's Big Show, which is on airing on 13 stations around the state of Michigan and uh, several hours each day of talk and conversation and study and flights to various places around the world. Fascinating time. Fascinating time that you can pick when you're, you're working around the house or in the office or driving around the state. Um, just a great, great experience. I love, I love listening to his show. Thank you. So where do we go now, Michael Patrick? How do we, as a country, <clears throat> get us through this rough spot of <laughs> calling each other by names, um, having candidates who are going to spend their whole time the next uh, number of months before they know... <laughs> pardon me, the November election, uh, making it appear that the other guy is uh, Dracula in, in some other guy, garb. Well, that, that as long as you've been running, negative campaigning seems to work. So I don't see any kinder, gentler campaigns because the stakes are really high and people have seen that the negative advertising works. Now, everybody says they don't like it, people that listen to it say, oh, I hate all that negative campaigning. And on election day, they always say, oh, thank God the commercials are going to stop. But that doesn't mean they aren't effective. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, the whole movement called throw the bums out. And uh, the people always said, we need a whole new Congress to start all over again. But nobody wanted to throw their own congressman out. It mm -hmm. was Congress in general that got a very low rating. It still does. But the, as you know, the, the level of victorious incumbents remains very high, doesn't it? That's right. That's right. It's, it's a, Michael Patrick, there is a phenomenon that I've, I'm uh, fighting against in my program and my, in my, uh, my daily life, that uh, people will start to have a conversation, and as soon as a button is switched. Sometimes you don't even know what the button is. Uh, you say some words, and all of a sudden, you can see it in the eyes of the other person. They're, they just shut down. They don't, no matter what you say, and the, you know, obviously the sound waves are going to their ears, but they, have, they shut you off. Now, I think, I want to propose the optimistic thing. I think that there comes a point at which people do tire. The masses of the people tire of uh, the bubbles, tire of being uh, on edge with their families, within their families or their neighborhoods. And they, they basically, because, I'm going to say this, I'm not, I'm serious about this, because of people like you in programs where they, where discussion, uh, open discussion, respectful discussion is treasured, is the aim uh, that I think eventually it'll it will break down and we'll get back to normal. Maybe it will take an outside threat or some event that is catastrophic that tells us we get a, we have to pull together. I don't know. What do you think? I think that we already saw that that won't happen because of the pandemic. Um, and I used to joke about it, you know, like, uh, well, if space aliens came down, could we possibly get together and agree on them? You know, but. You know, 
I, I, that's not joking anymore because uh, they're around, according to what I see. <laughs> but yeah, the pandemic showed us. I mean, if, if we can't even agree on that, who can we trust? You can't trust your doctor. You can't trust the news person. You can't trust the scientists. You can't trust the elected officials. You can't trust your pastor sometimes, your priest. Who's left to trust? Maybe I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start small. Maybe it's your next door neighbor. Maybe it's your your cousin. Maybe it's your brother, your sister, your mother. And you have to basically build up some trust. Again, you're right. I I, I thoroughly agree with you that there is a, a lack of trust in institutions and in people that uh, is is very dangerous and does not uh, bode well for the republic or for our families. No, and I, I'm also not to sound so negative here, but, uh, you know, I feel that there are people who are profiting from and benefiting from trying to divide you from your neighbor. Absolutely. Um, they want your neighbor to think that you're racist or that you're, uh, you know, a partisan or that you can't be trusted and that sort of thing. So you're right. I mean, I think if you if you pass someone on the street, don't look the other way. Say hello. If you can't say hello, at least smile. If they don't smile back, so what? At least you did your part to say, hey, we're all in this world together. And, uh, you know, we don't want to wake up hating each other. And, you know, I, was, I even saw just this very day on a dating site, somebody in their profile said, if you voted for Donald Trump, or you plan to vote for him again, bye-bye, keep moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just uh-huh. thought, That's right. if everything in your world is seen through a lens of Donald Trump, wow, that's amazing to me. But then again, uh, you know, the TV networks are the ones that put him in office to begin with. They loved having him on the debates. He was entertaining. It was funny. They let him call into talk shows that they never used to let anybody do. And then the minute they got he got elected, they turned on him. And uh, so, you know, again, in, in my sort of read of it, I would have thought the Democrats might have been smarter when he got elected and been able to snake charm him. That's not the right phrase. But what I mean is all he wanted was to be liked. And I think that I would have thought they would have been able to outsmart him, use him to everyone's advantage, get the experiment over with and and move on but it doesn't seem to have gone that way you know it's interesting just a minute ago you talked about people on the street <laughs> i teach in the czech republic i've done it for 20 years to wow. I, I teach american law to czech and slovak lawyers and judges um we had to do it remotely during the pandemic but at any rate for 20 years i've done it. when i first went over 20 years ago which was 2000 well, around 2001, our first session. And I walked down the street, and I was used to, in America at that point, uh, nodding and saying hello to people. And I didn't speak any Czech. Um, people did not look at me. So I, I, I tried it every, I tried with waiters, I tried it with uh, people who were cleaning in our hotel rooms, and people would not respond. Now, it's very simple. In, in uh, Czech, you say, Dobry rano, in the morning. Good morning. And what I did learn, though, is over the past years in the Czech Republic, now 
least at the, the last time I was there, if you say Dobrirano, they respond. People and they look at you, and they smile, and you huh. can and you can move on. So what I'm saying is that that you, what you're talking about is able to be replicated anywhere, if because what you're actually doing uh, in your show and hopefully in my show is is telling people it's okay. Uh, I'm a human being. I respect you. In fact, my motto, which you will hear at the end of this. Uh, show is if you show respect to other people, they will show respect to you. I still believe that. And I think that one of the the things that's going to make it work is that people are going to get sick and tired of not being able to trust their neighbor or their associate in the the office or um, your, your family members at Christmas and whatnot. I think they will get tired of it. And you know, there's nothing that improves um, on on attitudes, but success and 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 respect. So, that's my hope. Well, that's the name of your show, with respect. And I'm sure you've had to say in court many times, with all due respect, or <laughs> if it if it pleases the courts, or, and I'm sure you had opponents on the uh, over at the other table who you you know, had fierce uh, contests with. One lost maybe sometimes, but um, maybe some of them you're not friends with necessarily, but I bet you were at least professional. That is true. That's a good observation because, and, and sometimes, especially in the, in the uh, uh, contentious criminal cases sometimes, the clients or the, the victims or the, uh, the people in the family, they look... They see the fact that the lawyers outside of the court can talk uh, amicably or at least professionally to one another is a sign that they don't believe that your your attorney is not fighting for you. But it's uh. but it is it is true. You can go into court and beat the be- bloody bejesus out of some um, uh, client, or, you know, a, a defense attorney or a prosecutor. But if you stay within the bounds of reality and professionalism, you can, in fact, walk out of the court and, and shake their hand and mean it um, and, and still have really worked hard for your client. And the same thing I say for uh, public generally. You can advocate for any position you want within some reason. Um, pedophilia is an example of, of something you, there's not much you can do about that. It's, it's just not a, it's not a starter. But so many other programs and 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 uh, projects and uh, and policies you can talk about and can maybe come to a compromise. Uh, was it Ronald Reagan who said uh, in a in a in a discussion on policy, if you get eighty percent of what you want out of a proposal, take it and get the twenty percent later, or work on the twenty percent later. So compromise is a way uh, of, of getting something done and bringing people together. At but least temporarily. You, <laughs> you obviously didn't work in the divorce arena. <laughs> I got out of it. I did. I did. Oh, at Michael Patrick, I did. And I got out of it because I was sick and tired of people using their children or a car or a dog 
that they fought over uh, as a way of getting back at all the bad things that the other side had done to them during the marriage that took place, that uh, the marriage lasted a minute, uh, a year, uh, 10 years, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Rough. At any rate. Michael Patrick, it's been a, a, a total delight talking to you. Thank you. And uh, and I wish you very well on your program. As I say, I love to listen to it as I'm driving around uh, from from one station to another of your uh, of your uh, affiliates. Uh, it's on, as you say, 15, uh, 13. The, hey, look, the best way is for people to take a look at your website. What is your website? MIBigShow.com has the list of affiliates and the way to listen via streaming and podcasting. And, of course, the great WSJM and the great Southwest has us there every day, too. Bless you. Um, I want to say, again, thank you for joining me, giving, giving me your time and your consideration. And I say to you, if you, as well as the rest of the audience, show respect to other people, they will show respect to you. Thank you very much. Trust yet verify. That's right. Amen. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. (laughs) 